What's up, guys? What's going on? I'm Paul. That's Paul in Theology. We're back. We're on Genesis chapter 15, verses 7 through 21. So we have just entered into that famous line, and now we are entering into another famous one. For me, it was uh, R.C. Sproul he, uh, uh, and Ben Stewart, but R.C. Sproul said... Uh, someone asked him about his life verse. He's like, life verse? He's like, the whole thing is my life verse. He's like, but if I was to say a very integral part of the why I do these things and follow, and he said it was this. It was this chapter, these verses. He said, because this shows the promises of God in full. And so we're about to go through the promises of God in full, right? If you haven't checked it out, 15, 8 through 21, go ahead and hit those up. Read them, see what they have to say. Come back and we'll answer the questions. If you've already read them, man, hey, let's dive on in. What do we got here? What do we got going on? Well, first off, we've got where it says this. God declares himself to Abram. He says, I am the guy that called you up out of uh, or of the Chaldeans. He's like, and I'm going to give you this land. So uh, not only, first off, is he going to give him the seed or going to give him a child, because that's the thing he wanted. But he said he reestablishes the fact that he's going to give him this land or at least give this land to his descendants. And um, then Abram asks another question. We got the first one. He asked a question. He's like, well, how I, what, what's the promises mean to me if I don't even have a child? And then now he comes, he says, well, how will I know that I'm going to possess the land? Because Abram is actually going to die before he gets the land to his family. Well, God decides to impart on him the knowledge of what's going to happen, uh, a revelation. Um, he, uh, I don't know if it's proper to say he prophesies to him because it's God himself saying these things. But he tells him exactly what's going to happen to his family, that they're going to go uh, be sojourners in a land, be afflicted for 400 years, but then God's going to judge those people, and then he's going to let them out with many possessions, and they're going to take over the land. And the reason they haven't taken over yet is because he's waiting for the iniquity of the Amorites to become full. Once that happens, he's going to use the uh, Israelite people, the Hebrews, to inflict just judgment upon those who live in that land. And he tells them these things, and so... Um, yeah, he also says, before he says that, I'm sorry, he actually tells Abram to go get these animals. And then Abram gets the animals, cuts them in half, sets them in front of each other. And then a deep sleep falls over him. And as his deep sleep falls over him, it says that a uh, a fire pot and, a, uh, and smoke went through these. And those are representative of, of, uh, of, of, of God, of uh, Yahweh. Who passes through these things. Now, the significance between this is that he is making a covenant. He says, I made a covenant, which you have cut a covenant. And so that cut a covenant is uh, can be two things. It's like to establish that covenant, they had to take the animals and they had to cut them. They open them up. But also a thing is that God is obligating himself. There has been, uh, I guess, uh, witnesses that attest to the fact that this covenant ritual uh, could be something of placing curses upon yourself if you were to break the covenant, those who pass through what is called the pieces. And Abram didn't pass through the pieces. God did not require anything of him. The only thing that was required was God himself passing through this, uh, um, passing through the pieces. And so if the covenant is broken, then um, the one who broke it must be just as those pieces are torn asunder. And what's so powerful about that is that in the end, that's what happens. 
as man breaks the covenant, as man uh, uh, continues to to malign the covenant that God made to us as he bound himself with us, the one who suffers the punishment to keep us together is Yahweh. As he come in the form of Jesus and he broke himself on that tree. That's, 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 that's just a beautiful picture of the gospel. And that's why uh, R.C. Sproul said this was his picture because it shows the gospel in full. Is that God made a covenant with us, with Abraham and with Abram. And it's been passed down to us as we see through the writings of Paul that we are part of the family of Abram when we believe in the way or have the faith of Abram. And so as we have that faith of Abram, as we continue to sin and break this covenant, though it's not obligations and stipulations were not on us, the curse was placed on Yahweh himself, and he has suffered the curse of the broken covenant so that we can maintain a relationship with him and we can receive the promises that happen. And that's such a that's a that's such a, a beautiful thing. So what's this saying about God? Is that he willingly binds himself to us. That he willingly binds himself to us that we can have a relationship with him, even though we do not deserve it. This picture shows that it is all unilateral. It is all God who does this. There's no way for the promises to uh, be fulfilled, saved by him. And there's no one that's going to be punished if the promises are not fulfilled, saved by him. But they're going to be fulfilled because he doesn't break promises. He's a promise keeper, which we've seen and talked about a whole lot in Genesis that he fulfills his promises. As a matter of fact, that's one of the great themes that we see throughout it. And I hope that's getting in your head, guys, is that God is faithful to keep his promises. What's to say about man is there's nothing that we can do. I hope I made that clear, too, that Abram did nothing in order to gain this relationship. He proved himself in this relationship because he trusted in what God said by saying that he believed him. And he carries out those actions, too. He's justified by his works in the fact that you can see that he trusts, truly trusts God by the way that he's acting. But there's nothing that gained him any kind of merit or favor to receive these promises that God had promised him. And that's the same way with us. So how do we apply these truths to our lives? I, I think that we shouldn't be afraid to confirm the promises of God. You see, he asked, how will I know? And then God said, well, let me confirm it with this oath. Let me confirm it with this covenant. Let me confirm it with a solemn promise. And don't be afraid to do that. I mean, we see the patriarch. If he if he's the stand-up citizen, the guy that we're supposed to follow and look like, uh, as, as Paul would classify in the understanding of what faith means and how we should live, then we should be doing this, man. It's, it's our heart, though. It's the gaining or the understanding of our heart and the questions that we ask. Because if we truly want to draw near to God and we, we want to know that he is for us, then look and know and see and ask. Don't be afraid. He knows your heart already. I think we talked about that in the last episode. He knows your heart already. He already sees it. He looks deeper than the outside. He goes deep on the inside. And so because of that, man, go to him. Go to him. I appreciate you guys for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.